good to be in worship with you all today in person and online. Of course, I hope you'll be able to come next Sunday for our special 200th anniversary celebration where we'll have one combined service here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. and a lot of fun afterwards with an outdoor reception, special videos to view, and it'll be a grand occasion. We're in a sermon series right now called Faithful. We're talking about faith. Today, I want to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll read verses 23 through 26 from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of my sermon is Retrospective Faith. Do you know what I still remember? Hear these words from Scripture. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When my younger brother Rick and I were little boys... Rick became captivated one morning over breakfast by an offer, a special offer, on the back of the cereal box. As we ate breakfast, he told my dad that he really wanted the toy car pictured on the back of the box of cereal. It was a black matchbox car and a beauty. It looked flashy and fast. Part of the cereal box had to be cut out and mailed, you know how this goes, so that then he could receive this toy car through the mail. The instructions said to allow four to six weeks for shipping and delivery. When mom and dad mailed it off, little Rick, who was about six years old at the time, asked how long it would take to get the car. My dad said, it'll take a long time, buddy. So long that by the time it gets here, you will have forgotten all about it. Rick said he most certainly would not forget about that car. We waited a week or two, and Rick asked about the black car. Another three or four weeks went by, and Rick said he was still expecting the black car. A year later, <laughs> it had still not arrived, 
And Rick said, do you know what I still remember? The black car. When he was in middle school and high school, he would sometimes say, as we were gathered as a family, do you know what I still remember? The black car. When Rick was in college, every now and then he would say to my mom and dad, hey, do you know what I still remember? They'd say, the black car. Yesterday, I was on the phone with my dad, and I said, do you know what I still remember? He said, the black car. The next time our whole family's together again, I wouldn't be surprised a bit if out of nowhere, Rick said, hey, hey, do you know what I still remember? <laughs> Years ago, he made a determined decision not to forget that black car. And he has not forgotten about it yet. His remembrance is intentional. His remembrance is tenacious. His remembrance is relentless. I think about Rick's unrelenting remembrance when I come to the Lord's table. Because that's the kind of remembrance that befits the bread and the cup. Do this in remembrance of me, Christ said, leaving little doubt that he intended this meal to be a remembrance of his death. He took the bread and said, this is my body that is for you. The bread is not literally his body, for he was holding the bread as he said this. Rather, the bread is a symbol of his body that he gave for us on the cross. The bread is a memorial to the Savior who died for our sakes to save us from our sin. As bread is broken to be shared and eaten at the table, so Christ's body was broken on the cross so that all could partake of his salvation. Sometimes a material sign, a tangible object, a visible reminder can prompt our remembrance of past events. A couple of months ago, my family and I visited Plymouth, Massachusetts. And while we were there, we got to see Plymouth Rock. It's a sizable stone that sits there along the shoreline and has the number 1620 engraved on it. This object prompts all who see it to remember the pilgrims who arrived there and founded Plymouth Colony back in December of 1620. The rock is there to help people say, do you know what I still remember? We use memorials not only to remember events, but also to remember people. In D.C., for example, there is the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument, which stand to remind us of pivotal leaders in our nation's history. Smaller memorials, of course, dot the landscape of cemeteries all over the globe. My wonderful 
grandmother died last fall, and I drove down to Charlotte to preach her graveside service for our family. Just a couple of weeks ago, my mother drove back to the cemetery to see the gravestones which had been finalized and erected. One for my grandmother and one for my grandfather who predeceased her. These stones stand as memorials to two of the best people I have ever known. Thankfully, there is no gravestone for Christ that we can visit because although he died, he is not dead. Although he breathed his last, he is now alive again. Although he was buried, he was resurrected from the grave. So we remember him not with a gravestone, but with a different visible, tangible object. This bread is my body, which is for you, Christ said. When we see and touch and taste this bread, we remember that Christ existed for others. He came from heaven to earth for us. He was born in a tiny town and laid in a lowly manger for us. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and people for us. He performed miracles for us. He taught the truth for us. He extended healing for us, and he died on the cross for us. He lived and died not for himself, but for others. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends, which is exactly what Christ did. We might forget sometimes about our worth, about our value, about our significance. We might forget sometimes whether there's anybody who really loves us. But when we come to this holy table and we see and touch and taste this bread, we remember that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Word of God made flesh, died for our sakes. We are so precious to God, so treasured by God, so valuable to God, so beloved by God that Christ traded His life for ours, dying for our salvation. The bread is a concrete memorial to the love Christ demonstrated when he died on the cross. It's a holy reminder that we are valued beyond all calculation and loved beyond all measure. When we take this bread with faith, we are saying, do you know what I still remember? I still remember Christ died for us because he loves us and he treasures us. After eating the bread, Jesus took the cup 
And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup is not literally itself the new covenant, but rather a symbol of the new covenant that Christ established through his sacrificial death on the cross. A covenant is a relationship agreement between two parties. It's a sacred contract between God and human beings. To put it simply, a covenant is a deal God makes with us. The new covenant, Jesus mentions here, was announced by the prophet Jeremiah years prior. Jeremiah 31 says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This new covenant in essence, is when God makes a deal with us to forgive our sin. We can sometimes forget about forgiveness when we are feeling guilty about our own sin. We can sometimes forget about forgiveness when we're holding grudges against someone because of their sin. We can sometimes forget about forgiveness because we inhabit a culture in which forgiveness is unfashionable and sometimes thought to be weak or even unjust. But when we take this cup, we are basically saying, do you know what I still remember? I still remember that God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ and has called us to be a community in which we forgive one another as people of the new covenant. The bread and the cup prompt us to remember the love of the crucified Christ and the new covenant of forgiveness that he established on the cross. But what exactly does it mean to remember? Does it simply mean to think about Christ's death that occurred in the past, or is it something more? Does it simply mean to reflect on Christ's death, or is something deeper involved in Christian remembrance? Bible scholar J. Paul Sampley suggests that the ancient Jewish concept of remembering, which was in play here, is exemplified in Deuteronomy chapter 26. In this scripture, the act of remembrance begins by talking about something that happened to someone else long ago. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor, it says. He went down to Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. But then the scriptural narrative shifts from talking about something that happened to others long ago to talking in the first person about us. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us, says the scripture. We cried to the Lord. The Lord brought us out of Egypt. 
So what begins as a story recounting what happened to ancestors in the faith ends as a story about what happened to us who are still keeping the faith today. As the story is told, the teller becomes part of it. To remember in the Christian way, then, is to remember ancient events that save us today. To remember in the Christian way, then, is to remember ourselves into the sacred story by faith. When we take the bread and the cup and we remember the death of Christ, the story is not just about Peter and James and John. It's about you and me and us. It's not just about disciples long ago. It's about disciples here and now. We are not removed from the story as we remember. We rather participate in the story as we remember. We don't look back to draw something out of the story. We look back to be drawn into the story. The story has happened to us, with us, here and now, much as it happened to Andrew and Thomas and Matthew and the crew. The bread and the cup are not only memorials, but also transporters that take us back to the first century, even as they locate the living Christ here with us in the 21st century. The intervening centuries collapse at the holy table as we become contemporaries of Christ and He with us. As we recall the story together, it happens to us. Paul adds in verse 26 that by taking the bread and the cup in remembrance of Christ, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We not only remember at this table, but we also retell the story of Christ's death at this table as we take the bread and the cup. Theologian Elizabeth A. Johnson relates a rabbinic tale as told by Martin Buber. Buber writes, My grandfather was paralyzed. One day he was asked to tell about something that happened with his teacher, the great Balsham. Then he told how this saintly Balsham used to leap about and dance while he was at his prayers. As he went on with the story, my grandfather stood up. He was so carried away that he had to show how the master had done it, and he started to caper about, dancing. From that moment, he was cured of his paralysis. Johnson concludes, we become what we tell in the telling. Yes, and this is exactly what happens when we proclaim the Lord's death together by eating the bread and drinking the cup. We become the people of the new covenant. We don't just remember Christ dying for us. We experience His love anew, and we sense that we are His treasure, His beloved for whom He died. We don't just recall His forgiveness. We experience forgiveness afresh 
And we know we are set free from past mistakes, unburdened from previous sins, set free to walk in spiritual liberation. We not only remember who Christ is, we also remember who we are. God's treasure, fully forgiven, loved beyond measure. So many factors in this world militate against love, against forgiveness, and against God that we can sometimes forget about the crucified Christ and forget who we are in the process, in the hustle and bustle of everyday busyness, in the ongoing grind of the pandemic, in the polarized culture of acrimonious rhetoric and constant conflict that we inhabit. We can forget that we are treasured by Christ. We can forget that we are forgiven by Christ. We can forget that we are loved by Christ. We can forget that we are called to become a community of love, a community of forgiveness, a community of the new covenant established by the cross of Jesus Christ. We can forget too that Christ not only died but he arose and he is coming again. It's so easy to forget who Christ is, the crucified, risen, and coming King. It's so easy to forget, but we can actively choose to be mindful. We can intentionally make a determined decision never to forget. And so today we come again to this table with these people in this place at this time to say together, hey, do you know what I still remember? Amen. Let us prepare now to celebrate together.